everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by the great folks over at HypeBot.com. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce, and everybody over at HypeBot for everything you do to support the show and, and all of the uh, great knowledge that is shared on HypeBot.com. Everybody needs to be checking it out. So, Jay, we've got a special guest joining us this week. Tell us I, about it. I want to welcome Dave Lopez to the show. Hey, Dave. Hi. And Lemmy. And, and Lemmy. Lemmy, thanks for joining us, man. Lemmy, Lemmy. Over yeah, here. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> so so Dave um Dave was in a band, is in a band, right? I mean the band kind of is still around, right? Uh Rachel, is the band still <laughs> Yeah, I mean <laughs> We go through our phases, man. You know, I'd love to do something else. You know, so, 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 Dave is in, is in a band called Flipside that in 2005 was signed to Interscope Records, and um, you may have heard their song someday. I mean, I heard it all over the radio, especially here in the Bay Area, and uh, we just thought Dave might be a fun discussion. Sit down, share with us your stories of uh the major label days those are always yeah, exciting like? what was what was it like getting discovered getting signed how'd that and then, happen and then what happened after that well uh, <laughs> i gotta say you know not not i don't want to sound like i'm complaining about major labels or nothing like that but you know we were very lucky you know like a, it's a very it was a fluke kind of thing you know uh i met these cats at a music studio i worked at in oakland called soundwave and then we uh did a little demo uh on acoustic guitars live you know and uh we gave it to our friend michael urbano uh who was also who's also like a big producer drummer he did a lot of big records he's a super talented guy and rayto peter who's was working with green day at the time uh working at 880 studio so we gave him a demo uh, and then I got a call back. We did a re- we, we got in the studio, right? And yeah. we recorded this song someday. Uh, within a few months, I mean, Rob Cavallo from Warner Brothers wanted to sign us, and so he, you know, he quartered us, and we went out there and talked to him. I mean, it was for one song. Just I was gonna say song. he just heard one song, and that already he's all. I need to meet these guys. So with one song, they were, you know, he was excited. And we flew out and. You know, I just met Ray Tobe. Like, I didn't even know. I barely met the guys in my band. We had just met each other. It wasn't like a typical band where you play shows and you do the whole scene or anything like that. It's just, you know, one song, right? No shows, no nothing. And then uh, the, we met with him, had dinner, and he's like, hey, if you guys get a manager, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sign you. Come down. Come down to L.A., right? He came First, he came up, right? He came up. He came in the studio. Them, came in the studio, and then... We we flew down there to meet with them, and we met up with uh, what's what's his name the the president of Warner Brothers at the time, Tom Wally, right? So we played for him acoustic guitars, and you know he showed up like three hours late to the meeting for one thing. It was like kind of a weird yeah the whole thing's weird, right? We met these dudes, and all of a sudden we're in L.A. playing for Warner Brothers for one song, and then uh, he showed up late. He didn't he didn't seem like he was into it, but he wasn't into it. The following day, two days later. Uh, we ended up getting a manager, Robert Hayes. He did Smash Mouth, but he somehow got in contact with Interscope. Interscope's like, oh, we, we got to meet with them. 
one song. Remember, one song. Uh, and so we flew out to meet Interscope, and Jimmy Iving shows up. Right. First, Martin came to the studio. Okay, or, sorry. Like the little garage. Martin Kirzenbaum came to the studio and met with us. He was uh, he worked at uh, Universal uh, Interscope. He did uh, Cherry Tree Records was his label. And so he came up first, and he heard a few. We only had three songs at the time. And he really was really into it. Then we flew out to meet Jimmy Iovine, and we played for Jimmy. We played. He showed up on time. Uh, he had sandwiches, right? We didn't have like in Warner Brothers they court us. We had the filet mignon, the whole. You know, you hear about that in behind the music when they court you and they give you food and they make you, you know, fat and everything. Uh, well, he had sandwiches, and he showed up on time, and he's like, "I love your energy. Sign him up." That was it. We were nice. like within, you know, without six months of meeting each other, we like barely were a band. Three guys have nothing in common. Like we have nothing in common in music. And they had only heard three songs. They only heard one song. Yeah, and one song at that point. Yeah. So they did like, did did they have any concern about the lack of history of the band? Or was it all about the music? It was simply the music. It's music, straight up. It was definitely the music. They weren't. They were. You know. It was pretty, it's, it's surreal, right? Because it was one song, and they're like, oh, we love it. We're down. And, and what was the song? Someday. Someday. And it was a fusion of styles, you know what I mean? Well, I was going to also ask, I want to ask you to describe describe mm-hmm. Flipside musically, because it's an interesting, it, it's not a simple niche that you can say, oh, you are a rock band, you're a metal band, you're a rap band, you're a hip-hop band. You weren't anything clearly defined, in my opinion. Well, that's that's a good thing and a bad thing for us. At the sure. time, we, you know, even though the P, they loved the music, they were into it, you couldn't really put us in hip-hop music. You couldn't put us in rock music. It's too rock and too hip-hop for each, you know? So uh, we couldn't figure out where to put us, you know? And that was hard for us. So our music was a, basically three dudes uh, a guy from Alabama, I'm Chilean, have the Latin fla- flavor. Our, our rapper is half Brazilian, right? It's like a, a culture, that t- t- style that's just like different. So we, and then with the help of these guys, Rato and Michael Urbano, basically Urbano had this vision of this is how we're going to make this happen. And so uh, it's like a, a nice soup of music, you know, it's different. And, well, it, uh, it, it's definitely a great style. I loved it, but you're right. It, it it didn't fit nicely anywhere. And I could imagine as a marketing person going, well, hmm, how am I going to get this person to like it when it's got a little bit of what they don't like? Did did the label give you guys any, were they trying to steer you in a certain direction or did they just say, the whatever album, you want to do is whatever you want to do? So this is what's crazy is the first album, they gave us, they, they, this is where I don't, I, I can't complain about the label because they let us do what we wanted to do. For a band that had no history, no shows, no fans, nothing, they're like, go ahead, do what you want to do. And, and we did exactly that. We did a really cool record in a garage, right? It was, it was just in a little garage. We did it, it's all beats. And we had the drummer used to play drums and he programmed the beats behind the drums. And so, yeah, they didn't, they didn't mess with us at all at all like they, they let us uh do our thing and then we ended up after the record we ended up touring with snoop dogg and a lot of hip-hop cats you know but mm-hmm. i remember how'd that were, go over they went amazing People yeah lost their minds. yeah it was incredible crowds I mean, kind of accepted what you were doing yeah. and yeah we we was one of the most amazing times ever you know because you had you know our rapper was really good you know and he said west side a lot 
know what I mean? <laughs> West Side, and especially in Europe, you know, the kids go crazy. So they were, you know, yeah, we did really good, you know. And uh, so what they were trying to do is, is they want to line us up with uh, Eminem at Fifty Cent, and that whole uh, anger management was the tour that they called it, right? Yeah. So and so the power of of the label. I mean, you know, if you're lucky enough to get a record deal on a major, uh, and to actually have them support and like turn the green light on. There's nothing like it. Mm. When they're down with you and they're pushing you, and they're like, this is it, this is the new shit, there's nothing like it. It's like you see yourself everywhere. Every When we were going to Europe, on the radio, TV, video, it was just bananas. Like, imagine yeah. being six months ago, we weren't doing anything, and then now we're, like, touring, and our music's everywhere. Like, it was everywhere. So the power that those guys have is crazy. Like, Absolutely. You know, so it messes with your head a little bit. That's why people lose their shit, you know? Yeah. Because one minute you're like, girls don't think you're cute, and then all of a sudden you're cute. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know if you're uh, yeah, it was like really bizarre, you know, to see yourself that blown up so fast. And so everything was about this tour. We were setting it up, all the marketing, everything was about this tour. We're going to push Europe and then, you know, later the States or whatever. But we had this. They're lining everything up, and Jimmy Iovine was excited. Everybody was excited. You hear the stories hyping you up. Bono was even excited. You know, Bono was like, love someday, right, from you too. You know, like, nice. it was insane hearing all the feedback, you know. I'm yeah. sure, you know, working in Universal, when they're into it, they're into it. So, so we were ready to go on tour with them, and it was a stadium tour. They were going to probably keep pushing the record. And then uh, they did that, uh, that tour with their management. And then we're on our way to Japan. We were excited about, yeah, we're going to tour with them after Japan. And he canceled. He, he decided to go to rehab. And so they canceled the tour. And it went, all of a sudden, no more radio play, no more push. It's like instantly they turned it off, you know? And then they're like, okay, we're going to push you with the Black Eyed Peas now. So we went from this really social music, very heavy music, you yeah. know, someday, and then all of a sudden, we're touring with the Black Eyed Peas, and we have to soften it up. You know, like we got to find a mold you somewhere, right? So they really tried to turn us into the Black Eyed Peas. You know, and that, you know, on a second album, I'll tell you all about that. But yeah, they were cool for the first album, and as soon as that Eminem tour happened and didn't happen, they turned it off. They're like, we're right. done. You know? So they they didn't necessarily pull the plug on you. It was just all of the plans they had made got scrapped and they were having to quickly regroup and find something new to keep the momentum going, right? Yes, yes, because it's all about timing, you know? That's right. But everything's about, they have to have it all, and they have tons of acts that they're, you know, the, the P's out a new record, Snoop, everyone had, so you got all these people working these big records, so they're not, you know, they're, we got to keep it moving, you know? So uh, Martin Kirzenbaum was like, well, let's just tour with the P's. That's, and it was us, Pussycat Dolls and the Peas in the U.S. That's the yeah, tour. Another Interscope artist, yeah. Yeah. Now, Matt, we had a song called Revolutionary Beat. It's, it's We Can Live in Peace, Fuck It, Let's Die is the chorus. You can, right, right? If we live in peace, fuck it, let's die. We can't live in peace and fuck it, let's die is the hook of the song. So imagine the so Black nice. Peas audience <laughs> and the Pussycat Dolls, right? <laughs> and then we're like, fuck it, let's die, right? Cursing. <laughs> little kids everywhere it was like the right most, what are we doing here but we said fuck it well we got to be ourselves you know so we i mean that was 
you know, they tried, but there was really nothing to really, we were nothing that couldn't really fit with the peas either. You know, we couldn't fit with Snoop and, you know, so. But yeah. like you say, it's timing. They didn't have another tour that maybe would have been a better fit at that time. And you got to strike while the iron's hot. So that's so. basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, said, now, now, was 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 all of that being put together and arranged by the label? Was it your manager? Was it a combination of them? Who was doing a lot of the heavy lifting? Martin Kirzenbach. Okay. He's the, the the guy that ran Cherry Tree. He was the head of uh, international, right? He was. He's a big guy. The guy's. He's pretty genius. He could discover. So, so, so the the label was really doing a lot. To make the band happen. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. You were, you know, there. I mean, like I said, when you feel the green light, when they oh, turn it on, it. it's insane. You really when when like, when, oh, when, oh. when 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 the label loves you, they oh, love you. They love you. They're yeah, when they get that big machine behind you, they can uh, work some magic. Yeah, just like that. Boom, like you know, everywhere, all now, over Europe. It was crazy. Now, 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 were you because you know? Everything came off of the song someday. Getting discovered, getting signed, everything. Were you feeling any pressure of, oh my God, how am I going to follow up someday? How am I going to top this? How, how do we top that? No, to be honest with you, it, it was so fast. Things happen so fast you can't really think about. It. It's just, it's such a quick thing, you know? Like, uh, someday wasn't a hit in Europe. It went to number eight or something it wasn't like a big song you know the people in the song really i mean it was it wasn't really made for europe i guess i don't know it wasn't really a big song over there so at the time they were like oh well didn't do anything we're gonna drop these guys they're done right someday they didn't blow up in europe uh, the tour didn't happen we gotta keep it moving to somebody else right and uh we somehow got lucky enough to get on the olympics it was a theme song for the olympics right so even though we're all over the TV, all over the place in the U.S., the, the radio wouldn't play us, you know? Uh, even though, you know, like we did Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien, because of the Olympics, we got to do all this. Beat nice. But yeah. radio, the lady at the Interscope didn't want to promote us on the radio, didn't want to put us on the radio, you know? Well, what was her reason? Why? She didn't know where to put us. Where do you, where do you put us, you know? I think it would have been Live 105, Alternative Rock, that would have been place well yeah and i and i gotta say it i think that's where i remember hearing you guys first in san francisco was live 105 alternative rock station right yeah but they she didn't i don't think she liked this to be honest with you there's so many so much politics when it comes to even though you got a guy like jimmy ivy who's the you know he's down for you he's all about you and you got martin kirsten mom all these guys are amazing dudes if one of the you know the radio person doesn't feel it then we're just basically not on the radio. And at that time, radio was such a big... We didn't have what we have now with Spotify and all that kind of stuff. So right. there was nothing. Even YouTube wasn't around then. So we were dead, you know? And uh, so uh, even though we got all this... Print and people love the song. I remember Live on the Five was like number one. And then uh, the label was like, hey, stop playing them. We're not working on that song right now. Stop playing them. Like, you know, it was, it was a very weird thing, you know? Because that song should have been a hit. And it was a hit in the Bay, but if they would have right. pushed it, then it would have been a different, you know, different uh, turnout, you know. Uh, so once that fizzled out, 
the record, you know, the Olympics, everything's dying out. Uh, we did a song called Happy Birthday, which is songs about abortion. And our, our MC did a song with uh, Martin Kurzenbaum. They wrote the song with uh, the singers for Tattoo. Remember the band Tattoo? From sure, Russia? yeah. yeah. So they, they did the hook on the song. And it went number one, Europe, all over Europe. Went number oh, one. It was a big song for us. But guess what? The U.S. wouldn't play it. Why? Because it's about abortion. So we had, even though we had all the success overseas, America wouldn't touch us. You know, because, you know, really, we think about the record at the time. We talked a lot of shit about the government and the world. And, you know, You're kind shit. of ahead of your time yeah. when it came to that. Yeah, it definitely was, man. And they let us do what we wanted to do. And, and, and uh, you know, so you can do whatever you want to do, but we're not going to play you on the radio. You know what I mean? That's kind of weak. You know, it's great, but not great. You know, because you do this great yeah. music, no one wants to hear it. You know, or they don't want us. The label doesn't want to put it on the radio. So, and especially then, radio was so important. Like you mentioned, there wasn't. You know, YouTube launched in two thousand five. Um, Spotify wasn't around. You know, I mean. It, we didn't have the ecosystem that we have today. So if uh, these labels put so much into radio that if they didn't get what they were looking for, next. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's crazy because here we are on these big shows, Jay Leno, even Soul Train. We did the Soul Train Award. Wow. No uh, kidding. We're the only band that didn't sell a million records on Soul Train. Uh, Don Cornelius saw us on Jay Leno and told Jimmy Ivey, I need to have this band on my show. We went on Soul Train. He was so cool, man. That guy, Dark Moon, was so had leather pants. Oh, cool iconic. It, so at the show, he's like, I want to have you guys on the Soul Train Award. You guys are the future. This is where music needs to be going. This is what he was saying to us. Huge compliment. Right? Yeah. And uh, so we ended up in the Soul Train Awards, right? We had not a song on the radio. And we're playing with these multi-million dollar acts, you know, and... Uh, yeah, it was bizarre, but they wouldn't play us on the radio. Well, you know, lo looking back at it now, does it seem a little odd to you, I guess is the word I would say, that that all of these great people in the industry loved you, thought it was amazing, was spectacular, wanted to work with you. Jimmy Iovine, Don Cornelius. they couldn't or wouldn't take it to the next level to get the rest of the support team behind you to get radio behind you would think those people could just with one phone call Jimmy Iovine could call radio and go play this freaking song yeah that that's what was frustrating about it because you hear all this crazy stuff and then well where's the radio where's you know no one picked up on it you know uh, yeah it sucked you know because here we are Jay, uh, Conan O'Brien for we played Conan O'Brien he pulled me aside. I love what you guys are doing. The guitar nice. song pops. I'm like, this is amazing. We still can't get this shit on the radio. Like, all this love, and it's it's frustrating, you know? But it happened so fast, though, that I wasn't, like, I am I feel blessed to even have been there, you know? Because it was like, you know, one minute, here we are, and then now we're doing these big shows. And even though we weren't on the radio, I was still just so happy to be on. on to be just. Were you be, still touring at that point? We did. We did a lot overseas. And what's crazy is, of all the places in the world, uh, India was a huge market for us. Someday was huge in India. Think about it. You know, that lyrics of that song is about freedom, you know. And that song was a huge thing in India. Connected. Crazy. Yeah. Connected. And the reason why we went to India was uh, the Black Eyed Peas didn't want to go, Eminem didn't want to go, 
Pussycat, everybody, they went through the list of Interscope artists. Uh, how about Flipside? Oh, they'll go. You know, like, we were the only ones that were willing to go at the time. So we were the first hip-hop group to go to India. Now it was a big song. So I feel like if that song would have made it on the radio, it would have been a big song for people. It's, a, yeah. it's still a big song. It's got over 40 million plays on YouTube with that, wow. you know, just still. And they still, royalty checks still come. It's pretty bizarre, yeah. you know. So I was frustrated, but I was just along for the ride. I was so happy to get, you know. Yeah. How did you guys get together? I mean, it sounds like it happened really fast, but how did you guys end up in the same room going, hey, we should write and record this? Well, uh, I used to run a studio called Sandwave Studios in Oakland, West Oakland. And uh, I was there for 11 years. So working there, I was able to meet everybody, you know, everyone at Sure. Top, everybody from Testament to Faith No More to Rants, all these big bands, barrier bands, I got to befriend all of them because of working there. Yeah. So one day, uh, this guy comes in, and he, he sang this song. Uh, Steve was a singer, and he just showed up to my off the office, and he got on my nerves the first five seconds. I'm like, who's this? This guy's annoying. Just walked in my office. <laughs> and then he sits down and starts playing Someday. I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing, right? Little, you know, not a, you know, you would never guess that voice came out of that guy, you know? Right. And then, yeah, he was there with the rapper Piper, and, uh, you know, we met them all in one day, and then we used to play acoustic guitar shows. Like, we just go to open mics. And the weird thing, we could play at open mics, people would lose their minds. The crowd would go crazy. It was a big, I've never felt that before with the power. There was a, a certain chemistry connection with the three of us. Yeah. It's open mics. People would lose their shit. Like, people would freak out, you know? So, I'd never felt that before. And so, it happened that fast with the playing acoustic sets to giving the song to Rato and Urbano. And then to like being in front of Jimmy Ivy and then playing arenas. Wow. You know, within less than a year, it's pretty crazy, you know? So yeah. when now all that's happening, when you're on a major and things are happening for you, there's no time to uh, to think about what's going on. Because it's yeah. happening so fast. You know, like we're not on the radio, but we still gotta go to India. We still gotta go to Europe. We still gotta so you don't really trip on, you know, until after the fact. Once you're off the ride, you're like, Whoa, where did we fuck up? I'll be fucked up with this, and, you know. And when you're going through all of that, were you guys getting along okay and kind of having a good time with it? Did it test your friendship or relationships at all? Yeah. All that happening so fast? We barely knew each other. That we were friends. We didn't <laughs> really know each other, and that, and uh, you know, it was it was uh, it was a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of crazy shit happened during that time. I you know? bet. I went through their. Uh, the drug problems and ego, sure. you know, because like I said, one minute you're no one gives a shit, and then the one the other minute you're like, people think you're cute or yeah, pay attention. It's just really right. that. So yeah, yeah, it was hard. We didn't have a, we weren't very, uh, I guess you would say, uh, there wasn't a unity with us, you know, because we were all losing our minds, you know. So yeah, it was it was um, what do you think, Rachel? It was that was probably the downfall of it is that we weren't a unit. Well, if you were if you were advising somebody right now, whether it's in the studio or some friend of yours who's starting to you know get signed and is going to go out and do what would what would you say to some some new band today? You know, after going through what you went through, what would you what say to what would you, would you say them? to the younger you? I think uh, not. I think that the number one thing I would say to to me or to anybody starting out is to to have a unity within each other. If you have that, that 
uh, agreement within, because it's a, you have to have the agreement within yourself that it's a, we're a team, we're a gang. We, we can't let any influences, you know, mess up the, the gang, you know, because uh, they pull you apart. All of a sudden you're like one person wants to do movies, one person wants to know. It's like a lot of, so I yeah. think the key thing is to be a close unit. Like when you see the guys in Green Day, for instance, those guys are a unit. Those guys are friends. Those guys are like you know, yeah. them against the world, you know. And same with like Metallica, U2. Very few cats. It's a hard thing. It's a hard life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get to that level and things are happening. It's hard to to keep it together to have that thing because how, you but how 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 can you get that unity? I mean, obviously, you know, if you're childhood friends and you grew up together, you know the the cliche rock story of my. You know, my, my elementary school friend, we, we've been playing together for 20 years. You've got a unity there. But when your, your story is, well, you know, we just kind of ran into each other and it happened so quickly, how do you build a unity when, when it's sort of taken away from you? It's sort of taken out of your control because now the machine is moving. And you just either have well, to jump on or leave. Yeah, that's a hard. That's a good question, man. I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> I wish I knew. I mean, it's it's all. Uh, yeah, that's the hardest thing when you think about it. How do you? We, we it happened so fast that we didn't. We got to know each other on the road. And wow. It's all bad things on the road. Like wow, this dude. You know, I don't want to pick on anybody or nothing. But yeah, it, it's it's tough. I don't know how you would do that. You know? yeah. Maybe they should have a course when a major sign a major label. You should have like a course that they put you through, so you figure out how to deal with your taxes, <laughs> how to deal with just how to run your business. You know, because you don't right. know. I was working a gig with a paycheck. All of a sudden, what? I'm I got to take my like. You don't you don't they don't teach you these kind of things how to be a unit. You know, so yeah, it's a tough thing. It's a it's, you just have to uh, communicate by talking. I guess you know. Uh, to be able to have meetings and talk, but but if somebody's out doing getting fucked up, you can't really meet. Yeah. You can't community, you know. Right. Okay, man. Um, yeah, I wish I knew. I wish I could give a, a better answer. To that. Well, so uh, so you know, fl flip side, you know, unfortunately, looking from the outside, had a career of here today, gone tomorrow, really quick. It it, it seemed like you know all. What 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 happened? It just all of a sudden disappeared. So looking back at that now, are there things where you would have said, "Oh, gee, I saw, I saw, we could have seen the signs of this happening, and could have done something different to extend the career, alleviate a problem." Do you do you have any insights looking back now? If I, if, you know, I think that the number one thing. Uh, is we had a chemistry with the with the production team, with Urbano and Rato, and if, when we got in the room and worked, there was a there's there's just there was a we're like a fine tuned machine. We did we had a sound, we had our thing, we wrote great songs. It was really easy, really easy when we got in the room. Everyone knew what to do. By the time we we did they like they told us everything you're doing is great. It's amazing. We love it. Green light, green light, and then they're like, yeah. We don't like what you're doing. We went into. We got to change your whole shit. Everything that you did, not good anymore. You got to be more like Akon. 
or whoever the big. Right. So they change. You need a female lead singer. Well, that's part two. <laughs> we ended up doing uh, and going to meet him with meet up with Akon, all these really famous producers, right? And that they didn't understand what to do with me, especially because I show up with a guitar. They're like, what's that? What do you do with that? It's a it's a musical instrument. Have you guys never seen it? There's like guitar solos to every song. Yeah, and then they're like, no, we can't do that anymore. We got to be more like the radio. Follow the radio. So that's what killed us. We 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 would have been like, hey, you know what? We're not into that. We're gonna go back in the studio with our team, with our guys. We're gonna create better songs and keep it moving. You know what I mean? We're not gonna, you know. And if with their direction, we probably would have been able to do what they wanted in the first place. But the fact is that they separated the vibe and we were trying to reach trying to find fame or, or money or whatever you call it then you have uh we just kept spinning in a circle you know and uh i think uh, if we would if i were to do it over again i would have loved to have gone back in the studio with my with the guys that started everything because it was it was just a certain chemistry that we had you know and we never got it again after that you know? do, you, yeah. do you do you think it's possible to stand up to a label like Interscope and Jimmy Iovine and say, no, we're not getting a female lead singer. No, we're not recording this the way you want it to sound. We are sticking to our guns. How hard would that have been? I mean, remember, these are the guys with the money. Well, exactly that. So when you have the green light happen to you and they tell you, no, 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 we're going to you know, we're going to do it this way. We're going to turn the green light once you do this. They're telling you that we have an idea of bringing this girl in the group. So you go along with it thinking, well, okay, that's what it's going to take for you to turn the green light on. We're going to do whatever you say. Because we're thinking it happened in the Black Eyed Peas. They did that with them. Why wouldn't they do it to us? So in our mind, we're like, we're going to go along with it because we want to be, we're going to get that green light on us again, you know? Yeah. So you really not at a place to say, uh, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, Plus, they've had a lot of success in the past. You know, a lot of success. Uh, A label like Interscope, they swing big. You know, and they they've they've hit a few. You know, but they were they were uh, you know not everything's a hit. Not everything's a hit, but uh, at that time, you got to remember, MySpace was cracking, right? So everybody was. No one knew what to do. What what are we doing? What what's selling? What's pop? What's going on? So MySpace had a huge influence in the music industry. Sure did. So here we are, uh, you know, after the, the second, the first album didn't do well. And, and uh, you know, our, our manager found this girl that had like 150 or 200,000 friends on MySpace. So we got to get her. Because if we get her, we get to 200,000 friends. That's the kind of stuff. Wow, I remember those days. Yeah. There's nothing to do with music. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not about the songs. It's about MySpace. It's about a MySpace number. Yeah, and it's like, what? So, okay, <laughs> I guess you guys know what you're doing, right? So then we fought, and then later I realized, wait a minute, how about those, how real are those MySpace friends? There were so many bots, people could buy friends. Sure. So, yeah, dude, it was it's it was a weird time in the industry because no one knew what was going on, you know? So you're grasping at anything, you know? Even the labels, they didn't know. They're trying to figure no. it out. Yeah, so, exactly. It was evolving. Yeah. Hey, man. So yeah, it, it was. Uh, there's no way we would have done that. I mean, I wish now come back to it now. Like, I'd love to have been like, no, fuck you. We're gonna do our thing. 
it's 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 easy to say fuck you after the fact. It's kind of hard. Right to, it is. It's hard to say that when there's a carrot being held in front of you that says, "Do this, and then we'll send you to Europe." And you're like, yeah. "Fuck yeah!" And this isn't a small indie. This is Jimmy Iovine. This is NFL football. This is Interscope. I I totally get it. Yeah, and uh, we were broke. We didn't have nothing. We were like, "Wow!" And here, a lot of folks were thinking, "You, these guys are on TV." They must be making money. We made nothing. We didn't make no money. So, of course, you know, when you when you say you made more money, is that because you were unrecouped, or because you were touring and were you selling any merch? Not really. We were so unorganized with that stuff. We would sell yeah. merch, but it, it wasn't. It's so expensive to be out there, you know. Yeah. And who's gonna sell the merch? Who's gonna deal with all that stuff, you know? Because we had, we were, our budget wasn't as big as a lot of these cats. We had like our our sound guy was our tour manager. So you have two job guy doing two jobs, yeah. Know? But you can't have like hire a merch person because you barely can afford, you know. Right. Guitar Tech did all everyone's stuff, you know. So oh yeah, people on tour with us to do that. So it was more complicated and, and yeah, ready. It was so like I said, within a few months we were signed, so we didn't even we weren't ready for any of this. Stuff. Sure. So, I, you know, before we wrap up, one one final question. I mean, you had a manager through all of this. What was his his role? Was he helping you steer through this? Was he giving you guidance, or were you guys kind of just on your own? Well, he uh, he was he was uh, friends with the Interscope people. You know, he, yeah. he he had signed Smash Mouth. He, he was with, he had a lot of people that he got signed to Interscope. So he had his team. He was pro Interscope. You know, he was gotcha. all, whatever they want to do. We got to be lucky to you know so. He, it wasn't somebody that was like, no, we, you know, he was more like whatever they wanted to do. They were, he was more pro Interscope and more pro label. So, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, fighting anything. Look, look, looking back, do you think that was was a problem as well that you didn't have a real manager who was there fighting for you? No, because at the same time we did things that weren't very smart. So the manager can only do so much if your team isn't active. Yeah, so that's right. Your band is on drugs and they're getting fucked up. Your manager is like, why am I going to try to put my name out there and then ruin my relationship with yep. this label if your dude is doing stupid shit? Like, I yeah. Mean, I, story. I mean, I could tell you stories of what not to do on the road. Ask me. So uh, <laughs> that that'll be another episode. I'd love Absolutely. to hear road road so, stories. You should write a book, man. Yeah, it's crazy. So. uh he did the best he could, man. You know, I can't fault him. I mean, he, the reason why we even got a record deal was because of him. He had the connection. He was the guy. So, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, we could have all been better. I think all of us. You know? Yeah. But at the same, like I said, if you're lucky enough to get a record deal and to get the green light, man, you just you got to do it. You got to go. take advantage of that. Because you never know what's going to happen, man. And, uh, you know, like, and then this, obviously, you know, the second album, we got the girl in the group. And we ended up uh, spending more time on dance moves than we did in the music. We spent like fifty thousand dollars a week on dancing, like, and so it becomes like th that's what the labels are about now. They're more about they're not about the music, you know. And the reason why we're even here talking is because of songs and music, you know. It's the music biz, right? Music first. That's so right. If I could give anybody advice when it comes to the music industry, is write more songs, write good songs, because the more songs you have. If I had five more some days, I'd be at a different place. You know, it's like 
you have to have the song. It's like going to war without any bullets. You know what I mean? You got to have your your bullets. You got to have your songs. And spend yeah. more time with that. If, if I could give advice to young me, it would be like write more some days, write more Good songs. Try because all this stuff. As we're figuring all this stuff out with the industry, it's changing every day. One thing that doesn't change is a good song is a good song, right? right. Yep. Not a good song, we don't have shit. So it's like, you know, and, and now we're getting, when I listen to the radio, the music's so computerized and it's so different that most people spend more time on figuring out Instagram or figuring out whatever the new thing is that they don't even work on the music. And that's what I felt like when the label on the second album, we spend more time dancing than we did. Yeah, that's good advice. Did. You know what That's I mean? Really so good advice. Always write the best stuff you can. Always work on your music, and and always yeah. be come from the heart. Because we weren't trying to get a record deal. We didn't have yeah. no intentions at all. It was a fluke. Like wow, we knew the songs were special, and then you know, and then it just kind of happened. And so I feel like we we would have kept doing more songs the more you know power we would have. You know, because if you have a hot song like a someday, if you wrote a song and everybody wants to sign you, mm-hmm. that's a for that. You have like. People want to court you and they want to do stuff for you, big labels. If you're lucky enough to have that happen, it's yeah. a thing. So if you have Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, because it happens just like that, you know. You know, it happened to me. So I, I would always tell people to keep working on your music. Write more songs. Concentrate on that stuff. All the other stuff, marketing and internet stuff, that's why we hired you guys, right? Michael, <laughs> I, I don't have time to work on this shit. I want to work on songs, you know. That's for you guys to do. You know? I, I, I'm right there with I you because I, 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 I always tell tell clients, it's like, my opinion of your song doesn't matter because I hope to hell you wrote the best freaking song you could do. Because if, if you're recording it and you're releasing it, it better be the best material you have. Yeah, that's that's number one. You know, we could get lost in the, in the, everything that's changing because I'm talking about MySpace and that ain't shit anymore. That no. MySpace... My band, so it all changes. Uh, so, what didn't change is someday still I get letter emails from people loving that song. They still means a lot. So the power of the song is the key to everything. You know? So, 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 Dave, what are you working on right now? I'm, I'm, as you know, Michael, I've been helping my friend uh, Jason Becker. He's like one of my best friends. He got a new record coming out, and uh, been really concentrating on on making sure that we don't have uh, we don't mess up. <laughs> The record, we're on a label, so we got to keep vigilant to make sure that we were doing everything we can so we don't fuck it up, you know, because you only got three or four months where they're pushing it. And then after that, if they lose interest, that's it. So, you know, I've, I've uh, hired Michael to come help us. And it's been, you know, it's so good to have someone who knows about that stuff. Because, I, like I said, last time I knew about that was MySpace. So yeah. I don't know anything about that world, you know. So working on that, and I'm working with these kids called the Runaway Hearts. Uh, these kids, I met them, one's 21, one's 23, and I kind of put them together. Like, everything that I've learned in the music world, it's like, let me help these kids so they could not go through the bullshit I went through, you know? But the one thing about them, they write great songs, but we don't know, they don't know what to do. <laughs> what do you do? How do you start this process? How do, you, how, do you, how do you get that great song out there? Yeah, that's a whole nother show. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, how do we... You know, and I love these kids. So uh, they just finished the video working, you know, with them on that, and and so that's what I'm gonna talk to Michael and you guys about. How do we get it to the? What is a step for a young band to to get started? You know, if you have a hot song or hot something you're into, 
how do you get into the next level? You know, uh, yeah. And not that I, I mean that. Not that I'm thinking they're going to get signed. Like it was, you know, flip side did. Because that was a fluke. That's a crazy story. But I'm, you know, trying to help finding a new way of, of getting into the people because they have the songs. That's the number one thing is the songs. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Dave, this was awesome. I love. I love. I love stories Great. from people who have actually lived it. Yeah, I got lots of them too. We didn't, and I didn't get into all the craziness too. Well, but, we'll, yeah. we'll 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 have you back. I definitely want a a, a road rules like discussion here. The lessons of the road, what not to do. Oh, I got them. <laughs> Great talking with you today, Dave. Dave, thanks so much for joining us, man. Take Thank care. Hey, bye, Lemmy. Bye, Lemmy. Bye, Lemmy. Bye, Lemmy. Metal. <laughs> fun, fun, fun discussion. Like I said, I love hearing the stories from people who actually lived yeah. it and were there to yeah. tell you what's good and what's bad and what to watch out for. Those are the people you want to listen to. You want to learn from that, yeah. from people who've done it. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. Getting signed too soon yeah. may not be the best thing. Sometimes yeah. you need to have that team in place and have those songs locked and loaded and have a little relationship with the people that you're working with and, you know, be ready for, you know, what you're be wishing ready for. for for success. Because as, as Dave illustrated, when that machine turns the green light on, it's moving full speed ahead Hold on and, tight. And, and you can't say, well, slow down. I'm not ready for this. They're like, yeah. slow down. Okay. We'll drop you then. Yeah. Next. Next, because yeah, we've got ten artists we, we've got other place. artists right behind you, ready to jump on this conveyor belt. That's so right. yeah, um, yeah. You, good, good conversation. Good, good conversation. All right, everybody, that's it. We'll see you next week. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. <laughs>